Today's message is a lesson on prayer. And we're going to look at the person uh, and the story of Nehemiah today. And so we're going to be reading from Nehemiah chapter 1. And I, I'm going to, we're going to learn today and we're going to be reminded of some truths about how to pray effectively from Nehemiah's example. Verse number one, the Bible says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the twentieth year, as I was in Shusan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Hopefully you're familiar with the biblical city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the city of David, the great city of Jerusalem. Well, because of the sin of God's people, in the year 586 B.C., God had brought the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar and his army had come against the city of Jerusalem and had taken the Israelites captive and had led many of them into Babylon, which was a long way away, uh, a, a, a journey of hundreds and hundreds of miles. And the many of the Israelites, the Jewish people, had grown up in the land of Babylon under, the, under captivity. They had been born in the land. Nehemiah is one of those people. He had been born there. He was a Hebrew by birth, by his ethnicity, by his uh, lineage, but he had been born there in Babylon in captivity. The Babylonian Empire had been conquered, taken over by the Mede and Persian Empire. And King Cyrus, the Persian king, who had conquered Babylon, had made a law. And that law allowed some of the Jewish people to return back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple to God. In Nehemiah, though he had been born a Hebrew in captivity, he had prospered there amongst their authorities, and he had risen to a place of being like a right-hand man to the king of Persia. He was the king's cupbearer. He was a very close associate to the king uh, Cyrus. And the Bible tells us in verse number 4, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, when he, he heard from his friends, when he had heard about the condition of Jerusalem, that the walls were broken down. It says that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted 
and prayed before the God of heaven. Now I want to give you eight different truths today about prayer. The first truth is this. Nehemiah's prayer was motivated by a problem or a need. There's nothing wrong with seeking God's favor and help. God wants us to call upon Him. God wants us to pray to Him. God is in the problem-solving business. Nehemiah's motivation to pray was because of grief and concern for his people and his city. And in life, oftentimes, you're going to have grief. You're going to have suffering. You're going to have things not going your way. You're going to have problems that come your way. And your motivation for praying is oftentimes going to be because there's a problem, because there's a need. And that's okay. It's okay sometimes to pray because of a problem or a need. The second truth I want to give you today is this. Nehemiah was moved to fast and mourn. Nehemiah didn't just pray, he humbled himself before God. He approached God carefully with sincerity and understanding. He realized who he was praying to. He didn't just understand that God had the ability and the power to give him what he needed, but he understood who God is in that God is worthy of our humility and our worship. And he came to him, he came to God in prayer in a humble way, fasting, afflicting himself, mourning and grieving. He was not looking for a quick solution. He didn't come to God saying, hey God, I got this problem over here I've run into, uh, I need you to meet my need. No, he said, this is a big problem, and I've got a big God, and I need to pray to that God, but I need to approach Him slowly, carefully, humbly, and I need to realize that it might take a little while before I get my answer. So I'm going to fast, and I'm going to mourn. I'm going to add something to my prayer. I'm going to show God that I understand who He is, and I'm going to pray carefully with fasting and mourning. Verse number 5, Nehemiah said this, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love Him and observe His commandments. He begins to talk to God. And lesson number three is how he talked to God. Lesson number three is he addresses God according to God's power and according to God's glory. He calls him the great and terrible God. Now the word terrible, sometimes we use that in English to mean something that, that, that is awful, something that is, that's happened that's not good. But that's not really how this word terrible means here. The word Terrible means something to be feared. It's something that strikes 
terror. God is a God to be feared. He is a God to be in awe of. Wow. He is the Almighty. And when Nehemiah went to pray, he came with fasting and mourning. He didn't come looking for a quick answer. He came with reverence. And he came understanding who God is, that He is the great God, the one who is to be feared, the one that we are to be in awe of. Be careful when you pray how you talk to God and you make sure you come to Him, addressing Him according to His power and His glory, like Nehemiah did. Number four, the fourth truth. I said, number one, Nehemiah, his prayer was motivated by a problem, and that's okay. Number two, he was moved to fast and mourn. Number three, he addressed God according to his power and glory. Number four, he addressed God according to God's faithfulness. Notice what he said in verse five. He said, God, you're the God of heaven. You're the God the great and terrible one, the one who's to be worshipped, the one who's to be feared. You're an awesome God, is what he was saying. But then he said this, that keepeth covenant. He said, God, here's what I know about you. You keep your word. When you promise something, you come through. God is not a liar. God keepeth covenant. God will come through with what He has promised. And we need to pray to God according to God's faithfulness, believing in God's faithfulness and believing in God's promises. And in believing that, we are encouraged to pray. Number five, He acknowledges that God is a God of law and order. This is so important. This is so important if we're going to be successful in prayers. If we're going to learn to get our prayers answered, we have to learn to have more than just a problem. To learn to do more than just fast. To learn to do more than to just give God some praise and tell God how great He is. And to remind Him of His faithfulness. But we have to come to God understanding that He is a God of law. It said in verse 5, that God keepeth covenant and mercy for them that what? Love Him and observe His commandments. We cannot come to God expecting to hear Him to give us our prayer request when we have no regard for His law, for His commandments for what He has told us to do. Nehemiah acknowledges that God is a God of law and order. It is important when we talk to God that we have a proper point of reference. God is a God of law, not just a God who's good, not just a God who's faithful. He is a God which has commandments. He requires obedience to truth and morality. We must come to Him with this perspective in mind. 
We will be more effective in prayer when we acknowledge God's ways and submit to them. I would say that this type of praying where we come to God with His law in mind, I would say this type of praying is not indicative of most believers. Most believers come to God, Oh God, you're so great. You're my Father. You love me. And and God, I need you to do this for me. And I know you're able to do it, God. And so God, I'm going to name it and I'm going to claim it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It takes a lot more to be effective in prayer than naming it and claiming it. And it takes a lot more than just fasting and praising. It takes an understanding that our God is a God of law and commandments and we need to be willing to submit to those commandments and to conform ourselves according to those commandments so that we can with confidence ask God to bless us. Why would God be good and give you your prayer request when He knows that you're not about to even try to obey His commandment. That's not how it works. My children are asking me for something, and I know that they have no regard for who I am and what I have told them to do. Why should I give them what they're asking for? I'm not talking about food to eat and clothes to wear. I'm talking about other things. Yeah, God's good to everybody. The Bible says He's making it to rain on the just and the unjust. The heathen drive around with nice cars and live in nice houses. That don't mean they got God's blessing. God's good to everybody. But God answers the prayers of those who acknowledge that He is a God of law, a God of commandments. God with expectations. And we need to be a people who not only come to God begging, but come to God with the knowledge of His Word, knowing what He expects from us. Verse number 6, the Bible says, Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Nehemiah came acknowledging he and his people's transgressions. He came confessing sin. If our prayers are absent of confession and admission of our transgressions, then how can we expect to have God's power? How can we expect to have God's promises? How can we expect to God for God to answer our prayer? Nehemiah took responsibility for the sins of the people. Not just his, but the sins of of the whole nation. He came confessing. 
And if you're going to be effective in prayer, you're going to have to deal with God's commandments. And when you deal with God's commandments, it exposes your sin. And you've got to be willing to acknowledge that sin and be willing to turn from that sin if you expect God to answer your prayers. If I had a servant and he came to me asking for a need, but he had not been obeying my commandments, he had not been willing to do what I asked him to do, and would I give that servant what he's asking for? If that servant came to me apologizing, but it's the tenth time he apologized for the same thing. And I, I don't believe he's sincere. Would I give him what he's asking for? No. And God, if we want God to answer our prayers, we need to deal with his law and we need to deal with our sin. We need to confess and forsake the things in our life that are wrong. If we expect God to hear and answer our prayers. We need to take responsibility for our sin. Verse number 8. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Number seven. Nehemiah reminds God of His promises. He's telling God, God, you said that if your children didn't obey you, you would scatter them. But you also said that if we would turn to you, and begin keeping your commandments, that you would gather us back and put us back in this chosen place. He reminds God of His promises. This is again praying according to knowledge. Praying according to the knowledge of who God is. Praying to the knowledge of His commandments praying with the knowledge of the sins that we've committed against Him, and praying with the knowledge of His promises. Verse number 10. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. What an amazing prayer. And here's the last truth. Let me go through them again. Number one, I said to you, it's okay to pray because a problem or need arises, but we need to add to that. Number two, we need to be moved to pray with fasting and mourning, humbly. Number three, we need to address God according to His power and glory. Number three, we need to address God according to His faithfulness. Number five, we need to acknowledge that God is a God of law and order. Number six, we need to acknowledge our sin. Number seven, remind Him of His promises. And number eight, Nehemiah took his need to God 
before He took His need to man. He prayed to God before approaching the king. Nehemiah was the right-hand man. He was a very close associate and servant to the king at that time, who was the world's most powerful leader. A man who was set over 120 different provinces. A great man. And asked him for his permission first. He went to his God first. He got right with his God he talked to his God. He told his God of his greatness. And he begged God for his blessing before he went to man about the need that he had. We often only try God. We often only go to God when we have exhausted our other resources. We often only beseech God when man has failed us. When we've gone everywhere else, when we've gone to the family, we've gone to the friends, we've gone to the church, and nobody else can solve our problems, that's when we often come to God humbly with fasting and mourning. That's not a recipe for effective praying. A recipe for effective praying is to put God first. Go to God first. Say, God, I need you. I need your help. And I'm humbling myself. And I acknowledge who you are. And I confess my sin. And I'm begging you for your help. Eight truths. How to be more effective in prayer. I hope this has helped you. Thank you for tuning in to the Fundamental Hour. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. Let me introduce to you the Fundamental Baptist Church International in Boshan Kumasi. At our church, we have a motto. We are people of the book. That book is the Bible, God's holy word. And that's why at our church, we have a vibrant Sunday school ministry where we have classes for all ages, both children and teenagers, as well as adults. In addition to that, we also have preaching services on Sunday evening and also Bible studies on Wednesday night. Our church also has an affiliation with the Hope Fundamental Baptist Church for the Deaf, where deaf people have a pastor, missionary Baraka Hall, and each week, these deaf are able to hear the Word of God preached in sign language where they also can understand and receive God's truths from His holy book. In addition to our church services, our church provides transportation for over 200 people each week to come and be a part of the fellowship here at the Fundamental Baptist Church International. So let me invite you to come out and be a part of the Fundamental Baptist Church International and receive biblical teaching and friendly fellowship and love here at our church. God bless you.